my mic on and the sound guys are going to be waving, you know, in the back and letting me know, hey, so glad to be here with you this morning. Um, we will be in Luke chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, um, I would encourage you to, uh, to turn there and uh, we'll, we'll be jumping around a little bit this morning, um, but I want to uh, continue to, to kind of go off of what Joel was talking about with Simeon earlier and, um, you know, just the faithfulness of God to us, the faithfulness of the Christmas story. Um, you know, our church sends you greetings. We are a faithful church here in Bloomington, just like this is a faithful church. We hope that there are faithful families that serve God faithfully. And when you read chapter 2 of Luke, it's actually one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is in this chapter. My favorite verse to share with young people, especially. Um, because I think it speaks a lot to what our culture pushes back against. Faithful and being faithful in life and faithfulness are not things that we hold too dear to as much anymore. We want new, we want exciting, we want fresh, we want to change. We want to go, we want to see things, we want to do things. And people who are just faithful <laughs> are just weird in our culture. Um, I'm reminded of my grandparents and parents. My church has heard this story. I talk about them often, but my, parent, my grandparents pastored a megachurch. They had a church of over 100 and a town of 1,000. That's a 10% market share. <laughs> like if you're in a major city, that's like a 100, 200,000 member church, right? Like my grandfather faithfully shared the gospel with almost every single human being in his town. You know, and in the end, they died with nothing because they'd given it all away. There was nothing left to give. My grandmother had given sorghum cookies out of the window to kids on their bikes. They, she'd given all the canned goods and the ball jars that they'd given in the basement had been given. Like, they just gave. They served. They were faithful. They lived their entire lives in one house. One. They raised a family. My parents stayed in that town. They took over the legacy of my grandparents, not as a pastor. My, my grandfather was a bivocational minister. He drove a train during the day and pastored at night and on the weekends his entire ministry. Faithful to serve God and to serve the community they've been called to. And so often in our culture today, it's all about doing big things and making a statement and being noticed and recognized, and none of you have ever heard of Tom and Winnie Davis. When they got to heaven, heaven had heard of them. Heaven was waiting. Christ was waiting. Because faithful servants had arrived. And when you read this chapter in Luke, and when I think about my parents now who are coming to the end of their life, their health is failing, my dad may be on dialysis soon, and I see the joy they have and the faithfulness they have to have stayed in a community. I see people stop by their house. Friends from high school bring their kids to come meet Grandma and Grandpa Shockney. They're not their Grandma and Grandpa. Like, my dad's taking stuff off the walls and giving it away. Funny story, my friend that I grew up with, who was the honoriest kid you'd ever meet, Shane. I have these stories called these Shane stories. He, went and, he was an airborne ranger, if that tells you anything about his life. Like, that's what he did. And, and Shane got his life back on track with the Lord and had a, has a family. They live in Greenwood. And 
his son came to my father's house. And my dad, one Christmas, my wife and I decided to buy my dad one of those singing deer heads on the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah, my mom was not happy. It has a program setting that you can set it on, on motion sensor. And my mom didn't know that. And she got up to use the bathroom that night. And my dad laughed so hard. Because that thing started singing and my mom was screaming. Well, my friend brought his son over to just sit and be with my parents. And my dad pulled that deer head off the wall and gave it to his son. And Shane could have killed my dad. And my dad was just like, I don't need it anymore. Here, you can enjoy it. And his son thought it was the best thing ever, wanted to hang it at the bottom of the stairs, put it on motion sensor all the time. So every time they went up the stairs, and his dad is like, no. And his mom is like, what are you doing giving him that? But it's just simple faithfulness that builds relationships like that. That you don't see because it takes so long. You don't see the results. They're not in front of you. And when you get to Luke chapter 2, that's what you find. And so I want us to kind of dive in to this passage of Scripture. Hold on. It's trying to get me on Wi-Fi, so I'm going to shut them off really quickly. Um, turn to Luke 2.15. When the angels had left them, we read the story just a moment ago of the shepherds. The angels had left the shepherds and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The first people that God shows up to to announce the birth of the most important human being to ever exist. The birth of the most important thing that could ever happen are faithful shepherds who are simply sleeping with sheep in the middle of the night, keeping them safe. God showed up and chose for the angels to show up to faithful shepherds. People that were keeping watch over the flocks, those flocks that would provide clothing for the people of Israel and the sacrifices for their sins. And he says, you know, I want to show up to faithful people. Some of us wonder why God doesn't show up in our lives. Maybe it's because we're not full of faith. That's what faithful means. We're not saying, God, we place our faith in you regardless of the circumstances. If we're a shepherd, great. If we're a Worker at a factory, great. If I'm a teacher, great. it doesn't matter. I'm going to be faithful to you. These shepherds were faithful men giving their lives to sheep. You think it's hard to give your life to your family. Try giving it to sheep. And here they are, and the angels show up, and, the, and these shepherds respond. And it says they immediately hurried off, so they immediately show their faithfulness. In the Bible, it says to be a faithful witness to have a witness of something and say that that was true you needed two witnesses deuteronomy talks about this it was the, it was the power of two witnesses to confirm an accusation or a truth this is two witnesses you have the angels and now the shepherds so the highest beings of beings that were created and the lowliest of men in the culture shepherds 
And God says, I show up to all. And they are a witness to me. And they go. And it says they reported the message. They found Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary have traveled to Bethlehem. They have been faithful to do what the Roman government told them to do. You ever struggle with what the government tells you to do? How about Mary? Hey, Mary, sorry, Roman government's telling us we've got to go to Bethlehem. I know you're pregnant. It's really bad. I know. Yeah, sorry, let's go. We've got, we got, we got to obey orders. Now, is there a time to stand up to government and tyranny? Absolutely. There's no question about that. But in this moment, they're just faithful. They just do what they're told. And they travel to Bethlehem. And when they get there, Joseph forgot to make a reservation. Ever been there, ladies? You're all smiling. My wife is smiling. Right? Probably couldn't in those days. It's not like they had cell phones. Joseph, they go, and here they can't find any place, and so literally the Son of God is placed in a feeding trough because there's no place else for them. You see, again, the most faithful being to ever exist, the Son of God who said at the beginning of creation, at the beginning of creation, he said, I agree. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, when we go down this road, when we create humanity, we are all agreeing to our part. We will be faithful throughout all of eternity. I, the Son of God, agree with the heavenly family. This is what we are going to do. The Godhead speaks. And Jesus has been faithful through all the Old Testament. Now he enters into the world the most faithful being to ever exist. And they put him in a feeding trough. I don't know about you, but if I would marry in Joseph, I'd be wondering if God's really faithful in this moment. Is this really real? Is this how it's supposed to go down for someone who's faithful and the most faithful being in the world? It's supposed to look like this? Controlled by the government, have to go, there's no place to stay, my son's in a feeding trough. Now shepherds are showing up and they say angels spoke to them. I mean, it goes on and says this, but Mary... Verse 19, was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. It doesn't say Mary was bitter and mad at Joseph. It doesn't say, Mary, how dare you let these shepherds in the house? They are smelly, stinky, and they brought sheep with them, and they're all over the place. Mary treasured these things. And she meditated. She was saying, God, I know you're faithful. I, I don't understand why all this is happening. I don't get this. I know we have to go to Jerusalem. He's born in, Jer in Bethlehem. But like, I, I'm just trying to figure this out. Because I know you're a faithful God. And I don't understand any of this. And I don't understand why my son's on a feeding trough. But okay. The shepherds returned. Glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen and heard. Just as they had been told. The shepherds are faithful. They're faithful to sheep. They're faithful to angels. Now they're faithful to God. Now they're faithful to this baby. These simple shepherds say, I'm just going to go and I'm going to praise God that I got to see this. I'm going to praise God of what I've seen. I just have to tell everybody. Guys, that is the sign of faithfulness. That no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, what career, what, what opportunities, what sins you've done, what mess you've, it doesn't matter. They're coming point when you say I have just got to be faithful just do simple faithfulness and it will show up in your glorifying and praising
of all you've seen and heard. How much have you seen and heard? Well, God has been gracious enough to give you an entire Bible of seen and heard so that you can have a lot to glorify and praise him about without even having to glorify and praise him for your own life. <laughs> you could spend all of eternity just glorifying and praising him for what he's already done. He doesn't have to do another thing. By the way, the people in this passage had been waiting 400 years glorifying and praising God, not seeing anything new. From the book of Malachi, the last book that was written until Matthew. It goes on and it says this, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. Again, you see faithfulness. His name is Jesus. The name Jesus means Yahweh saves. That's what his name means. I don't know if you know that or not. Like it's not like Jesus Christ is first name, last name. It's Yahweh saves who is the Messiah. That's what his name means. And if you have Lord, Jesus Christ, Lord, it means Yahweh who saves, who is the Messiah, who is Yahweh. Just so you know, he's God. <laughs> he's the one. He's everything. And Joseph is faithful because Joseph was the one given the vision by the angel earlier to name him Jesus. So Joseph, in faithfulness, is saying, now that the eight days have come, that's when they named their children, that's when circumcision happened, they name Jesus, and as he's being circumcised, they say his name will be Yahweh saves. Circumcision is no small thing in this culture. To be circumcised, just like today, is a dangerous procedure. It could mean death for a baby because of infection. They didn't have sanitary. They didn't, under they didn't understand germ theory at this point. To, to allow your baby at eight days old to be circumcised like that, there's a reason why they don't do it in your presence in the hospitals today. They take the baby away. It was done in the presence of the parents in this day. And it was to show that I'm offering my son. I'm, I'm offering this child and I'm trusting him and this, this small scar that he's going to have isn't going to compare with the scars of the child in the manger, in the feeding trough. And again, Mary and Joseph were faithful to do what? Exactly what the Old Testament told them to do. The Old Testament says, okay, so we got to go do that. Not, well, we got the Son of God, we don't have to. We're privileged. No, we just, we're going to be faithful. Then it says, and when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So now they've traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now they have to travel from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. This is costing them time, money, resources to do all this Old Testament law rule stuff. And now they're traveling, and it says when the days of purification were over, we'll look at that in just a minute, they brought him up and they present him to the Lord. Why do I need to present the Lord to the Lord? Because it's what was prescribed in the Old Testament. We're just obeying. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're just being faithful. And it's time. We're supposed to travel and do this. Just as it is written in the law, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. God is showing that there are just these simple people that he's showing up in their life and using. 
You don't see anything written about kings in Luke 2. You don't see anything written about really important people. These are just simple, everyday people like you have in this church. Nothing flashy. Probably ignored. Goes on to say in Luke 19, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Oh, sorry, my bad. Goes on, it says in Genesis. Genesis 17.10, if you got your Bibles, you could turn there, but I'll read it for you. This is talking about the covenant of circumcision. He says, this is my covenant which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must lay them on the altar of sacrifice. The women, you're going to be circumcised. You're going to go through the problem of childbirth. That's going to be painful, and there's going to be a risk of death in childbirth. But that's not for years later. Males on the front end, you will be the first ones to bleed. And then he says, you must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you throughout all your generations. Every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. This is the first book of the Bible. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. Now we have a covenant that is marked in Jesus's flesh as an everlasting covenant. So we don't have to do circumcision, which we'll see in a minute. He says, if any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. See, God sometimes asks us to do very simple things that no one else is doing. Circumcision was not a normal thing. This distinguished you from every other kind of person. Throughout history, the way the Jews have been persecuted all the way through history is literally by disrobing men and seeing if they're Jewish. And they would kill you if you were found. They would kill you standing naked. Like Jesus was killed on a cross naked. He goes on and says this, Leviticus says, the Lord spoke to Moses. This is Leviticus 12, 12. Tell the Israelites when a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child. Again, they're obeying this, faithfulness. She will be unclean for seven days as she is during the days of her menstrual impurity. The flesh of his foreskin must be circumcised on the eighth day. She will continue in purification from her bleeding for 33 days. That's 40 days total. She must not touch any holy thing or go into the sanctuary until completing her days of purification. When her days of purification are complete, whether for a son or a daughter, she is to bring to the priest, this is verse 6, at the entrance of the tent of meeting, a year-old male lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering. Mary and Joseph are just being faithful. They know what the Bible says, and they're doing it. They've got the Son of God. They've got the one that all of these passages are about, and they're just being faithful. And they're fine to just be faithful and serve. It's interesting. You wonder why, when you have a child, you have to give a sin offering. Like, is the child... Like, why? They didn't sin. Because we're all born into sin. And so the first thing you want to do with your child is to say, God, I recognize that this child has been born in sin. And so I offer a sin offering on behalf of this child. 
Christ is now our sin offering, offered on behalf of us. Look at what Galatians 5, 4 says. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You've fallen from grace for through the Spirit by faith, that's faithfulness, being faithful, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. You see this in all the passages in Luke 2. All of these people are waiting for the hope. The shepherds are waiting for the hope. We're going to see Anna. We're going to see Simeon. They're waiting for the hope of things to be made right. How many of you have relationships or things in your life that you're like, God, when is this going to be made right? My body's not right. The circumstance isn't right. My marriage isn't right. My kids aren't right. Place your hope in Christ. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. We jump to verse 13. It says, you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Again, we don't have to do circumcision anymore because that covenant is closed. Christ was fully circumcised his entire flesh on our behalf, so we no longer have to circumcise or sacrifice, sacrifice earthly flesh. However, God asks us to make the great exchange that if Christ did that for you, and that's the payment he paid for you, then what will you give for your brother and sisters in Christ? If Christ gave his very flesh then it's your responsibility to surrender your flesh for others because that's what he modeled. And he ended the sacrificial system to start a new, new system of the circumcision of the heart where I surrender my heart, I surrender my body and my flesh for the love of God and others that he's put on display. We go on in Luke 2, and it says there was a man in Jerusalem, we just read this, whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. Simeon, righteous and devout man. Looking forward to Israel's consolation. That means looking forward to redemption, a Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. There was this revelation that happened in his life and he's like I'm pretty sure you know sometimes when people say this today we think they're nuts right like I just know that the end is coming I just got done preaching through revelation as a church I waited for years to preach through that book because I did not want to preach through it because it causes all kinds of fights and I'm like we're not gonna have fights so the whole book was about being a blessing like the, the book of revelation the first chapter says you're blessed if you read and keep this book. The last chapter says you're blessed if you read and keep it. The whole book's about blessing, and we turn it into an argument. It's about happiness. The word blessing, by the way, means happy. And so here is this man who now is guided, verse 27, by the Spirit. He enters the temple complex, and when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, to dedicate him... Mary had been faithful in her purification. They had waited. They had done exactly what the Lord had said. By the way, do you realize how amazing it is that there is a God in the Old Testament who gave pregnancy leave before we figured it out? There was a God in the Old Testament who told husbands, keep your hands off your wife and let her heal. Control your body and let her heal. 
Our God is so faithful and merciful. He knows how we've been created. He loves us. He asks us to trust him. Because in this culture, they used to like do weird acts using blood in culture. Drink it and everything else with all the idols. And God's like, no, 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 no. That is sacred. Heal. Goes on and he's guided into the temple. He's, again, everybody's just being faithful. Mary and Joseph are being faithful. Simeon's just being a faithful guy. He's dedicating himself. He's like, oh, temple. I go to the temple again today. I go every day. I just go and I pray. This is what I do. And the spirit that day got him. Like, hey, Simeon, you need to get to the temple now. Okay. Like, he's so faithful to walk with God. He just hears the voice of the Lord. He's like, okay, I'll go to the temple today. And he goes to the temple. He goes on and says this. Simeon took him up in his arms. Can you imagine the scene? There are all kinds of babies being dedicated. This is a huge temple. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's, I mean, this is massive. And he grabs this one baby, and it's like, whoa. I mean, it's like Lion King, you know? <laughs> Praises God and says, now, master, you can dismiss your slave. He calls himself a slave, a doulos, in peace. As you promised, for my eyes have seen what I've been waiting for, your salvation. Do you see all of these people are committing their lives to Jesus? They don't have a clue what they're fully committing to. Most of you, when you accepted Jesus, didn't have a clue what you were committing to. That's called faith. That's being faithful, full of faith. These shepherds committed themselves to this baby. This guy is committing his words. He is in the temple declaring to everyone, saying, I commit. And I'm telling all you, commit to this. And he says, you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother, look at this, were amazed at what was being said about him. As Mary and Joseph are just being faithful, they just keep getting amazed by God. Like, wow. That's how we should be. That as we're just being faithful, we're reading through the word of God and we see these things, we're like, wow, that's so cool. And instead we're like, I wonder what that means. Well, what about this? What about that? So you think this is the son? There's other babies here. What about my baby? What about this baby? Simeon's like, I've seen God and I've committed. Goes on and he says this, or Romans says this. This shows Simeon's heart. For a person is not a Jew, Romans 2, 28. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly. That's circumcision. And true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. Paul says in Romans, on the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is of the heart by the spirit of God, not the letter. That man's praise is not from men, but from God. See, Simeon isn't looking for anybody's praise in the temple. He's looking to give praise. He goes every day to give. He's not trying to get noticed. He's not trying to get praised. He's just going to give it. And one day, he sees the baby and says, this is the one everything I've been praising my entire life about is about. And he can't contain himself in the worship service. He can't contain himself. Why? Because Simeon was a Jew of the heart, not just the flesh. There are all kinds of fleshly Jews, all kinds of fleshly Christians walking around. They've not been circumcised in their heart. They've not allowed God to cut away at the sin and mess of their heart and open them up. 
Luke 2, then Simeon blessed them. Look at that. He blesses them. He's like, oh, you guys are awesome. This baby's awesome. Like, he just puts his blessing. Like, great. Some random dude just blessed my baby. Like, what? <laughs> and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Remember, it's not soon after this that Herod orders the murder of all children under two years old in opposition to this new king born. And I don't know about you, but it would be a struggle for me to believe in the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of this family when they fled to Egypt and let us all be killed and didn't let us know. And yet, Simeon warns Mary and Joseph, and he says, this child great he's going to be a blessing he's going to be awesome and then it goes on to said and a sword will pierce your own soul mary and the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed he is going to pierce the heart he's going to circumcise the heart and lay people's hearts open to see what they're really about now sometimes it takes a lifetime to see that because we're good at faking it but he will do it and he says mary a sword is going to pierce your own soul. Can you imagine Mary hearing these words? It said she cherished all this stuff. She meditated on this stuff. And at the cross of crucifixion, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and that Roman soldier pulls out a sword to check to see if her baby boy on that cross is dead and runs him through, you don't think this verse didn't pop in Mary's head? Because when random people tell you weird stuff, you remember that. You don't forget it. Like, that was the weirdest. I had somebody give me a leaf one time. Like, they're like, here, this leaf signifies you will preach to people sometime. I'm like, okay. I've never forgotten that because it was so weird. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just like, I got a leaf. Great. He goes on and says this. Galatians, Paul says this. But as for me, like Simeon, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Simeon boasts to Mary. He could have told Mary, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be delivered. It's going to be wonderful. And Simeon prophesizes the whole truth to Mary, not just the parts she wanted to hear. Anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. I've been crucified. My flesh is crucified on behalf of others for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy to the Israel of God. I love how he changes it, not the God of Israel, but the Israel of God, those who truly believe in who he is. From now on, let no one cause me trouble because look at what Paul says, I bear my, my body scars for the cause of Jesus. Paul was a circumcised Jew, and he says, Though that, that circumcision I got when I was a boy, and everybody's proud of being Jewish in my culture, I'm not proud of that. I'm proud of the beatings I got for representing Jesus. That, the beatings I got for making him known, those are the scars that I celebrate. Luke 2.36, it says, there was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phenyel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived, look at this, read this, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage 
and was a widow for 84 years. This is an old woman. She has been a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex serving God night and day with fasting and prayer. Wow. Any of you know women like this in your life? My grandmother was a woman like this. My mom, woman like this. My wife, a woman like this. Faithful. And it's interesting that God has two women in the temple to give witness. Remember, you have to have two witnesses, and He uses both a male and a female to give witness. Two old, faithful people to give a witness that this is the Son of God, and by two witnesses, anything is approved. This is true. She's from the tribe of Asher. Asher means blessed. Asher was Leah's son when she didn't feel loved, and she said, but I feel blessed because God has given me a son. It says she doesn't leave, that she serves God night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. By the way, there's a good argument to be made that Anna didn't come and do this until Simeon raised up and said, this is the son. And so she submitted herself to the male Simeon in the temple and came under his authority to then take her authority to announce as a prophetess the redemption of Israel. Because Simeon would have put on a show. He wouldn't have quietly said, this is the son of God. And when she saw it, she knew Simeon. She knew the faithful people. And when she said, if Simeon believes this is the son of God, then this is the son of God. And so together she looks and she goes, she came, she began to thank God. Oh, thank you, Lord. She's been speaking to all who were there looking forward. She says, she says, she started speaking and there were people there that were like, crazy woman. <laughs> Old widow, crazy woman. And there were the ones that were looking forward by faith and faithfulness to redemption who were like, that's a faithful woman. I need to listen. I need to tune my ear right now because Simeon and Anna just made a statement. And they're the most faithful people I've ever seen. And so those who are actually looking for redemption, not just looking to go to the temple, make their sacrifice, move on with life. I'm good with God. Let's go get lunch. Right? Not those people. No, the people that are truly faithful tuned in to Anna, tuned in to Simeon. Because they recognized faithfulness. We don't recognize faithfulness. We recognize popularity in our culture, and it's killing us. I am so tired of another celebrity becoming a Christian and then about three months later, they're crazy people. Like literally. And everybody's like posting about them and how wonderful they are. Oh, and it's so great. And then three months later, they're like, I believe Jesus is here and he's in me. And so I'm going to like do weird stuff. And you're like, no, nah, take my Facebook post down. Why aren't we celebrating the faithful? Shepherds, Joseph and Mary, Anna and Simeon. Those are the people we should be lifting up and saying, be like them. Give your life just in faithfulness to God and follow Him. And when His Spirit moves, you move. 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this, 
Circumcision does not matter, and uncircumcision does not matter, but keeping God's commands does. Each person should remain in the situation in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Remember, Simeon said he was a slave. It should be not a concern to you, but if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called as a freeman is Christ's slaves. You were bought at a price. The price of the Son of God. Do not become slaves of men. Brothers, each person should remain with God in whatever situation he was called. Shepherds, remaining in the situation they were called. They went back to their fields after they saw the Son of God. They weren't like, well, I'm a Son of God follower now. Goodbye, sheep. Simeon continued to be faithful in the temple and tell people what he saw. Anna, faithful. And she had been a widow for 84 years. You're talking about faithful to a call. 84 years of fasting and praying and saying, I had a great husband. It was good, seven years. Now I'm just going to be faithful to be single the rest of my life and serve the Lord with everything I have. We would, everyone in our churches today would be trying to fix her up with somebody every day. We'd give her every dating app. You need to go on Farmers Only. Right there, Anna. Right there. Just you go. You're lonely. You need help. You're all miserable. You're just fast and pray all the time. You need to eat more. We would ruin her ministry. Because we can't stand faithfulness because it, it shows our heart. You go into the temple and see Anna and you think about the huge meal you ate yesterday and how you had ice cream after that and then you had a snack at 11 p.m. and she's fasting and praying and you're like, nah, I gotta do better. It goes on. Luke says, verse 39, when they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord. Don't miss that. Joseph and Mary were sure to do everything God said to do. Even though it was hard, they had to travel. She was pregnant, just had a baby. They're going all over the Roman Empire. This is, we're going to do what God says, even though this seems crazy and all this crazy stuff has happened and we don't understand, we're going to be faithful to the law of the Lord. You should be faithful to the law. Listen, the Old Testament is beautiful and wonderful. Be faithful to it. You don't have to be a part of the sacrificial system anymore. You don't. But the laws in the Old Testament are actually really good. If you want to die of a heart attack, eat bacon every day. You'll die of a heart attack. Almost guaranteed. Why? Because pork is like the worst meat for you as a human being. Are we free to eat pork? Yep. Peter saw a big sheet come down. All the animals are clean. He says, take and eat. That doesn't mean we're alleviated from the consequences of pork. There's still consequences. When we read the Old Testament, instead of saying, oh, those are all old laws we don't need to worry about, we should go to God and say, God, how is this faithful to the people of this time? What were you trying to communicate? What are you saying to me now under the new covenant that I, I'm not saved by doing those things. I am saved by you doing what you want to do through me and surrendering to you. We should look at the Old Testament differently. And instead of just dismissing it and being a New Testament, we should say, I love the law, statutes, and ordinance of God just like all the people before me did. And I want to know how to obey those properly in the context and the clarification of the New Testament. If we would do that, it would be beautiful what God could do. But instead... We raise up a generation that doesn't know the law, the ordinances, the statutes of God. They get to college, and then they find a verse in Leviticus that has shellfish and homosexual lifestyle in the same conversation, and they go, oh, 
we eat shellfish, so I guess that's okay. Because we've not prepared them to understand these things. Look at what it says. They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Every year, every year. Because they were commanded in the Old Testament. You had to travel for the festivals, the males and the families. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem. Mary was not responsible to travel to Jerusalem on the Passover, by the way. Only the men had to travel. Mary's like, I'm not missing this. I'm going with you. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. These are faithful people. They're being faithful to the Old Testament all the way through Christ's life. They go back to Nazareth. Now, some scholars wonder when was the flight to Egypt because there was a point in which they flew off to Egypt. The wise men delivered them gifts. They got frankincense, gold, and myrrh. That's what they used to support themselves when they fled to Egypt because they needed the money. So they got this great financial windfall, and then it was gone because they had to use it to survive. Ever been there? And then they flee back, and they come, and they live in Nazareth. Nazareth is the armpit of the Roman Empire. Like, Nazareth was next to the city called Herodias, which was Herod's great city he was building for himself. So pretty much everybody in Nazareth was like a serf to the city of Herodias. I mean, Herodias was even a city that was kind of despised in the Roman Empire because everybody thought Herod was crazy. And that's where they choose to live. Sounds a lot like Bloomington. I live kind of towards Ellettsville. It's kind of Nazareth. Right? And he says, look at this, he says, they went up according to the festival and they were faithful. Do you know how costly it would have been, time, talent, tra to, to travel, every, you have to take it, you got to raise a lamb, you got to do all, you got to keep it safe, you travel with your family. Like this was, everybody would have made fun of you in the Roman Empire. When the Jews were off on their travel days, the Romans were like, there go the Jews again. They just travel around. I don't know why. Like it's... This, this wasn't easy to do. This would have been hard to be faithful to this. And they did it. And it's at this festival, this Passover festival, that if you remember the story real quick, Jesus wanders off. This is the funniest story in the Bible. They lost the Son of God. If you've ever lost your kids, pat yourself on the back, man. You are a faithful servant, Right? <laughs> They lost Jesus. They forgot to look for him. It says they travel a three days journey and they're looking around going, have anybody seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen Jesus. I mean, he's the most responsible kid. We never have to check on him, right? Because he's always where he's supposed to be. And they go around to all the family. Have you seen Jesus? No, have you seen Jesus? Now the whole family's talking about, <laughs> they lost Jesus. <laughs> like the perfect kid, the perfect family. They gotta go back to Jerusalem. On the, and they have to travel three days back to find Jesus. Mary and Joseph forget that Jesus is a faithful kid, so they look for him everywhere in the city except the temple. He's the son of God. What do you think he would be? No, you go everywhere else looking for him because you think the worst. You're anxious. You're afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my son, he could be in a ditch. Oh, he could be up here. Oh, He's just sitting in the temple worshiping like he saw Simeon and Anna. Like it's been modeled to him his whole life. Like heaven looks like. This is where I want to be. Here's what he says, Luke 2. When his parents saw him, they find him. 
Finally, after three days of searching for him, they were astonished. Ha! That's an understatement. <laughs> like, you've been here the whole time? Yeah, right here. What have you had to eat? Didn't eat anything to eat. I was just fasting and praying. Who took care of you? My father. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? That could have been the moment where Jesus would have said, Why don't you treat my father like I'm doing? And Jesus, in his great mercy, doesn't do that. <laughs> and he says, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Can I just tell you, whenever you feel anxiety rushing up in your life, you better check your faithfulness. Because God's probably trying to get you to say, trust me, walk with me. Believe that there are people that will take care of you. Believe that there are opportunities that I'm doing in your life that you don't understand. He goes on and he says, your father and I, look at what it says. Jesus asked them this question. Underline this in your Bible if you're comfortable writing in your Bible. Why were you searching for me? That is the question of all questions to humanity. Why are you searching for Jesus? Why was Anna? Why was Simeon? Why were the shepherds? Why were you searching? Are you searching for something you can get? And if I be faithful, then I'll get this and I'll get this and I'll get this? Or are you searching because you are looking for a new body, a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth? If you're searching for that, then you'll raise up the baby like Simeon. You'll pray like Anna and fast like Anna. He asked them, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? I love this, but they didn't understand what he said to them. <laughs> like, was he mumbling? Like, or was it like they were confused? Like, my father's house, like Joseph, well, no, Joseph is in your father. Father, I just, okay, what, can we go now? We need to get back to Nazareth. <laughs> By the way, it's at this time that it says in the passage that the Pharisees and scribes of the temple were amazed by their son. At age 12 is when you would have gone to college in this culture. These men, if you read into the text a little bit, are offering and saying, this is an amazing boy. We would like to keep him and train him in pharisaical, sadducical, or scribe law. He is amazing. Verse 51 and 52, my favorite verses in all of Luke 52 and maybe the Bible. Then after Jesus has seen all of this, after he's been offered the Harvard education of his day, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Here it is again. His mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. Joseph, Anna, and Simeon, in their faithfulness, never got to see Jesus go to the cross and never got to see him be resurrected. They never got to see it. They by faith trusted it was coming. By the way, we are by faith trusting that he's going to come again and take care of business, just like Simeon, Anna, and his father Joseph waited. And can I just tell you this verse, if you're a young person, Luke 2, 51 and 52, this verse, you should memorize it. All we know about the life of the most important human being who did the most important work, who has existed since the beginning of time and eternity, we have one verse on him from age 12 to 30. Let me repeat that. 
We have one verse on Jesus right there from age 12 to 30. That's it. His whole life summed up saying he was just faithful. He obeyed mom and dad. And he earned the favor of God and people. We put so much pressure on young people. You've got to figure it out. You've got, you got to know what you're going to do. <laughs> Jesus was a construction worker in Nazareth for Herod, most likely. 18 years. Faithful, going to temple, being a faithful son, being a faithful servant. Let me ask you, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that with your kids? They didn't go to college. They were faithful servants of God in the church. They loved the Lord. They served him. They gave their life. They listened. They obeyed. I'm not against college. I'm in a college town. I have a degree. Like I'm not against it. I'm just saying faithfulness is what we've got to shoot for. When I sent my kids off to college, this is what I told them. If you want us to continue to support you and help you, there's three things that you have to do. You have to be a member or be a part of a local church. I know that might take some time. You have to be in a small group of a Bible-believing church, and you have to have a spiritual mentor or discipler. If any of those three things are not done, we will cut you off. I don't care about your grades. I mean, I do, but like, don't flunk out. But like, those are the most important things. If you're not doing those, then I will turn you over and say, just, I want you just to be faithful to God wherever you're at. That was Jesus. Let me ask you this morning. How's your faithfulness? Just be faithful. Whatever God has circumstances wherever you're at, don't look to, to do some spiritual act to make yourself more faithful. That's not what these people were doing. They were just being faithful. And sometimes faithful looks different. Sometimes it looks like a widow fasting and praying or Simeon coming to the temple or shepherds keeping watch over their flocks or Joseph and Mary or doing construction for 18 years. Faithfulness looks different for so many people. But let's be faithful, especially at this time of year because we remember who has been faithful for all of eternity and who will be forever because he came in faithfulness to us and to his covenant. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that you call us to believe in you by simple faith, like the shepherds, like Simeon, like Anna. That we are not saved by works, by doing. We are saved by our faith and declaring and saying we are putting our full faith in who you are. And Joseph and Mary did that. Simeon did that. Anna did that. The shepherds all said, this is the Messiah. This is the only place that I'm going to find salvation for my soul and for my life. And so, Lord, I pray that if anyone here doesn't know that, that today they would just come and say, I surrender. I allow you to have my flesh because you gave yours, and I just give you mine. Here I am. And, Lord, if they commit and they believe that you did come, you died, you rose again, and that you're coming again, just that simple message of salvation, then they can know that you want them to be your child, and they can know with confidence, like these people read about, that you will be faithful to them. But Lord, there's also a responsibility to faithfulness, that once we've been changed, we want to declare to the world your faithfulness, which is what we see here. And Lord, sometimes it's just by going to work every day, we declare the faithfulness, by coming home every day, by being a parent, by, by reading your word. And so Lord, I pray for the faithfulness of your church here at Bloomington Bible. 
Help them to be faithful, we pray. We thank you. We praise you. We put all this in your hands. Amen.